In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. You guys are really awesome, um, and uh, it's, been, it's really been a lot of fun being here with you, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Um, and I'm carrying on, carrying on with our theme. Um, so we spoke about, about Jesus healing. We spoke about him giving us from his unlimited, his unlimited acceptance and forgiveness and grace and love and hope. And, you know, this all sounds like some kind of utopia um, where then we can just kind of like kick up and bask in the sun or something. But you're probably not expecting that that's the, you know, that the, the, the next, the next like part is like an all-inclusive uh, holiday out in the sun. What is, what, what does God, like, what is, what does God want for us next? What does he want to give us next? Um, and we'll find Jesus in John 15 saying, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. I have spoken love to you. I have spoken mercy to you. I have spoken grace to you. I have received you with open arms. I have restored you. Like, like, like the prodigal son returning to the father. And he says, put on him the robe and the sandals and the ring and kill the fatted calf. The word which the Father has spoken has already restored him to his first state once again. Midnight praises, the very end of, of, the, of the Sunday Theotokia, um, and also in the hymn that you'll hear uh, at least twice during, um, during Holy Week, maybe four times during Holy Week, and we sing it also during the Feast of the Cross, of Fayet of Amph, right? Right? He says, uh, for you took Adam and you restored him to his first state once again. It's the, it, it is the Word of God which restores us back. It's the Word of absolution, not, not forgive me, not in a legalistic sense, like, uh, like, like, Abuna, please absolve me, you know? Or, or, or people will come before having Holy Communion. Some people will whisper, whisper like, like, Father, uh, absolve me, you know? N not in a legalistic sense, no. In a sense of being restored, in a, certain, in a sense of being brought back into the arms of the Father, being grafted back in that which was dismembered. Like, like, like St. John of Saba says, Confession is not so much about remembering your sin as it is about remembering back into the body of Christ. Becoming a member, again, that which was dislocated is put back in its place. Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, is a restorative word. This is the word which God wants to give to you and to me and that we spent all of the last session talking about. And that's John fifteen three. So what now? What comes after that? Well, let's look at the next verse. John fifteen four says, Abide in me 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus uses that word abide ten times in six verses in John 15. Ten times. You know, in like uh, in, 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 in school, right? Like our teachers used to tell us like, if I say something more than twice in one lesson, it's probably going to be on the exam. If Jesus says it ten times in six verses, he probably wants us to pay attention, to abide, to abide. What does it mean to abide? The word abide means to dwell. It means actually not to depart. A lot of these words which starts with A mean like the, the, the lack of, like not to depart, not to let go, not to be absent. I know there's a double negative, so hence to be present, right? To remain as one is, not to change, to wait for, not, not to get up and go. A beautiful spiritual practice uh, that I, I, I've shared uh, with, with some of the people that, that I get to speak to often is after you're done prayer or reading the Bible or whatever devotion you're doing, set the timer on your, on your phone or whatever and sit for two minutes in silence before God and see if he has anything to say. Like sometimes people ask me for a spiritual practice of silence and I tell them, you know, try this. Try to count to five slowly before answering anything anyone says. So somebody's speaking and before you answer, you count 1,001, 2,001, 3,001, 4,001, 5,000. You know what happens inevitably? The, other, the person who's speaking just starts talking again and you can't even get, you can't get a word in, Right? And that's what we do with God. We, we can't, we can't kind of stand the silence for, for even a, 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 a few seconds. And so we just start talking again, either with our mouths or in our heads. But the end product is that, is that we're, we just want to get, get up and go. Abide is the opposite. It's, it's not to get up and go. It's to stay. Stay. Jesus is saying, stay. The disciples of Emmaus, they, they, they enjoyed the walk with this stranger who opened the scriptures to them. He starts off by telling them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. <laughs> it's a slap in the face. But by the end of the walk, by the end of the walk, they tell him, abide with us because it's already late. And they don't want to let him go. They don't want to let him go. Abide with us. Jesus is saying to you and he's saying to me, abide with me. Just, just stay. Just spend, uh, just spend the night. Just spend a couple of minutes. Just, just stay with me. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And like in this illustration, you see Jesus is, is the vine, right? And then I as a believer and the branches... And then there's fruit hanging 
from the branches. I'm sure none of that is like rocket science, right? And this is probably the best and most complete <laughs> illustration of our Lord's commandment to have union with Him. This is what it's all about. Like this is what my Christian life, my earthly life, this is what everything is all about from beginning to end. This is what it's all about. Loving union with God. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're working towards. That's what the paradise life is like. That's what heaven is all about. That's what it's all about is loving union with God. The connection between the vine and the branch. That's what it's all about. And if you look closely at the junction between the branch and the vine, you know, when you, when you get really close to it, you can't tell where does the vine end and where does the branch begin. That union is, is, is complete and whole and there's no separating line. That's how it's supposed to be between me, me and God. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, right? There's no dividing line between Jesus and me. There's complete and whole and uninterrupted union. And this union between the branch and the vine is an act of God. Only God creates that union. Even, even if like a, a master vine dresser grafts a branch onto the vine you know there's this process of of, of grafting you know and i won't go into about into in detail but basically you know they 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 by a certain process stick a new branch onto the vine okay and they tie it they tie it up and they make it you know stay there right even then if if the if the vine itself is not living and has enough life in it the branch won't stick and it will fall off and it will wither up and die. It's an act of God. God is the one who is responsible for your and my union with Him. Did you hear that? God Himself is the one who is responsible for your and my union with Him. But He wants us to participate with Him. The teacher is responsible for teaching the students, but the students have to participate, right? But the bulk of the, but the, bulk of the responsibility, the onus, the, the students don't stay up at night planning lesson plans. The teacher does. The students are just responsible to play along. God is just telling you, just abide, just, just stay you don't, you don't have to plan. The organizers of the conference have to organize the conference and book the venue and, uh, and arrange the rooms and this and that and collect the money and pay the venue. and uh, all, They have to do all this stuff. All we have to do is show up. All we have to do is hang around. All we have to do is not leave. All we have to do is just stay. And what happens if the branch stays on the vine? What is it that the vine has that is so precious to the branch? The sap, right? Why, what's the difference 
between fruit that's like a shriveled up little raisin over here that's so small you can't even see it and these big fat juicy grapes the juice where does the juice come from the sap what's the sap in in in, in jesus illustration the holy spirit the the life the life think about this folks think this is these are jesus words these aren't mine the life of the vine is the life of the branch the vine would be just as dead as the branch and the shriveled up old raisin if it didn't have any sap stop the flow of sap to the vine what will happen the vine will die jesus is the vine he is the way the truth and the life so don't worry there's going to be no stopping of the sap to the vine you got yourself you're, you're assured there but think about this folks jesus is telling us that the life of christ the life the spirit of christ the life of christ what gives him spirit what gives him life is what, the same thing that gives you life and there's no dividing line there's no this is the sap of the vine and this is the sap of the branch no it's it's one flowing continuum when the life of christ is the life that's in you so then jesus is the vine in heaven and we are the vine the branches on earth and everything that the vine does is for the branches the union the union between the branch and the vine is undividable and if the branch is cut off the vine suffers too and we're going to talk about that Jesus tells us that with the, without the vine the branches can do nothing you know in John 14 14 he says whatever you ask the father in my name he will do it for you and then in john 15 5 without me you can do nothing the more and more we get to know god and we accept him the more and more we realize that a lot of the things we found before were kind of gray are actually very black and white with him I can do anything without him I can do nothing it's like a massive dichotomy it's either that way or this way and he has done everything to be able to to create like a wide open channel to fill us with his life so that we can be useful to him look i want to tell you something i'm not going to get into this too much because this is a topic of a conference all on its own but no work of the flesh is desirable or acceptable to god like when when i go when, when i realize that like oh my goodness there's only a couple of weeks left of lent and it's a holy week and then it's all over and then right 
and oh, I haven't done anything. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna this, and I'm gonna that. That's all based on who? On I. I'm not telling you not to pray and not to fast and not to read and not to attend liturgy and not, not to do. I'm not telling you not to do all of those things. But God wants to do all of those things in you. The works of the flesh are never going to produce fruits of the Spirit. The branch without the sap is never going to produce fruit. And that's the next verse which says, that if a branch does not bear fruit and it's dead, they bind them up and they throw them in the fire. Why? Because they don't, it doesn't do anything. If the branch is dead and the channels that usually carry the sap are all closed up and the sap can't travel in the branch anymore and can't make fruit, then the branch is not really good for anything. It's not even good for firewood, really. If you've seen branches off a of vine, they're like skinny and scrawny, right? St. Paul says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So then, Abuna, what am I supposed to do? You're saying like, like so I'm not supposed to like, you know, put my elbow grease into it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm not supposed to do that? Yes and no. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. What is God working on? I want you to ask, ask yourself this question. Let's take five seconds of silence. Let's see if we can hold the five seconds of silence, okay? I want you to ask this question to you. I'll ask that question to me. What is it that God is working in you to will? The first says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. Okay, forget about to do. Okay, let's just start with to will. What is God trying to work into your will right now? Go. Okay, I stretched it out a little bit. That wasn't exactly five seconds. It was a little longer, maybe seven. But that's, that's how to start cooperating with God. I was reading this book about uh, church planting. Um, and um, it was saying, this, this guy who's been planting churches for like 30, 40 years or something, says after like 25 years of starting churches all over, all over the continent, and successfully doing 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 quite well he realizes that he constantly prays and tells god come and work with us join us come put your hand with us bless us very fervent beautiful prayers but all of a sudden god revealed to him that he kind of had the cart in front of the horse who's joining who Who's working with who? Who's following who? God is working in you and in me, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. It is His Spirit, His own Spirit that runs inside of you. And it is the working of His Spirit that is going to bring forth fruit and fruit that will remain. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. 
In Isaiah 26, 12, it says, The Lord will establish peace for us, for you have also done all our works in us. You have done all our works in us. St. Paul says at the end of Colossians, he says, For it is God who works in me mightily. He says like this is the evidence of the success of the gospel. That God has worked in me mightily. What is God doing in you? In your will? In your life? In your desires? In your uh, goals? In your direction? In your, what is God doing in you? Partner with Him. Let Him lead you. Let Him take your hand. Abide with Him. Instead of telling him, Jesus, you abide with me. We're going to get to that in a second. But for now, let's tell Jesus, I will abide with you. Where are you going? What is your leading? What is your guiding? Now here's something else. Jesus has made himself completely and wholly dependent on you and me. A, a vine with no branches cannot bear any fruit. Jesus is the vine, full of sap, but he needs you. He needs the branch. He needs us to maintain that union with him. Jesus does not want to be incarnate. He is incarnate on the altar table, but to be incarnate again, and born of a virgin and and born in Bethlehem and the whole no that's why we his body are here that's what we're here for that's what you and I are here to do the vine needs the branches and all of what the vine possesses are for the branches like the vine doesn't hold something back say okay well I, I, I'm gonna keep this sap for me and the, 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 the other 80% can go to the... No. All of what the vine has is for the branches. And that's what Jesus says. He says that, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus isn't interested in hogging the glory. There's nothing. There's nothing that Jesus wants to hold for himself and not to share with you and with me. This is the loving union that God is calling you and me into, the fellowship. And he's just calling you and me to take a deep breath in and abide, abide, stay. Rest in Him. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, the works that I do, you will do greater because I go to the Father. Jesus isn't interested in competing with you for glory. He's interested in elevating you in glory. Jesus wants to share his glory with you and with me. But he's just saying, just, just hang around for a bit. Just, 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 give, just, just stay for a little bit. 
all of the fullness of all of his riches are for you and for me. All of what Jesus has in heaven is for us, is for you and for me. He is the vine and we are the branches. He doesn't hold anything back. Jesus has entirely consecrated himself for you and for me. Is it not right that we would also consecrate ourselves to him? Is it not right that we would also devote ourselves to him as he has devoted himself entirely to us? Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. God is giving himself. Jesus is giving himself to you and to me for the life of the world, to give you and me life and that we also may be the life of the world. We'll touch upon that tomorrow. It's obviously, it's obviously found the ex obvious example of this is in Holy Communion where Jesus gives himself physically. He gives himself physically to us. He pours himself out physically into us. Finally, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, the disciples are confused. And he starts walking with them and says, O foolish and slow of heart to believe, ought not the Christ to have suffered? And starting at the Psalms and the prophets, he starts explaining to them everything. Why the, why the Christ had to suffer and why this and why that. And he opens their eyes to see and to understand. He starts unpacking to them all of these things. Then as they're getting to where they were going to Emmaus and he says, I'm going a little further and they say, no, please abide with us. Stay with us. Can you and I say that to Christ tonight? Can we say, him, to, say, say to him, Jesus, abide with me. Jesus, stay with me. Jesus goes into the house. He sits at the table. One of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. <coughs> He takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and then he vanishes from their sight. One of the early church fathers says that Jesus did not vanish. He did not disappear. He but simply transformed himself into the bread that he could remain in them forever. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.